It is Easter Sunday, my friends, and so fortunately, this scripture passage is one that many of us have heard many times before. I'm going to invite you to join me either by opening a Bible or by following along, closing your eyes, letting the words wash over you. Join me in listening for Matthew 28, verses 1 through 10. After the Sabbath... At dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes shook and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Friends, if you will, please join me as we pray for God's wisdom. God, as we come into your presence on this joyful day, we pray that you will set aside the space that we are in as holy. We pray that you will fill the rooms that we sit in fully and completely with your spirit and with your presence. In the same way, we pray that you will fill our hearts, that we will know beyond a doubt that even as we sit alone, that we are never alone, or apart from you. We pray, God, that you will help us to hear your truth in new ways or in ways that are familiar but may be forgotten. Lord, if we are not in your truth, then put us there. And if we are in your truth, then keep us there. So we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I really loved Easter as a young child, even more than I loved Christmas. I loved Easter for no religious reason whatsoever. I was all about the Easter bunny. I remember very vividly standing on my driveway one Easter morning after I had collected all my Easter eggs, and I saw my younger neighbor come out of her house, and she was all dressed up in a white and pastel flowered dress. I asked her what the Easter bunny had brought her that day. But she looked at me and shrugged and said, well, the Easter bunny comes after church at our house. And I remember it as vividly as I do because I remember feeling so incredibly bad for her. How disappointing that she had to wait. I genuinely didn't understand Why would anyone ruin Easter by going to church? 
I guess you could say that time eventually changed my opinion. As my affection for the Easter Bunny was replaced by my fascination and adoration for the person of Jesus, I began to appreciate the over-the-top pageantry of an Easter Sunday at church. The trumpets and the brass, the pomp of a procession, the added anthems and cantatas, the energy of people bustling past one another to get down the aisles to find their seat, filling the sanctuary far beyond what we would see on a regular Sunday. One day, I realized that Easter was no longer ruined by attending church, but rather that attending church had become synonymous with Easter. So who would have guessed that this year it would be Easter Day that would ruin attending church? (laughs) It's probably an overstatement, but... I guess it's not actually Easter itself that has ruined church attending, but rather this global pandemic that makes the idea of brass and pageantry and sanctuary perfumed with lilies seem so inconsequential. It's one thing to celebrate resurrection from death when times are steady and remarkable, unremarkable. It's one thing to celebrate resurrection from death when things feel normal. It's another thing to talk about resurrection from death when temporary graves are being dug and filled with plain pine caskets in New York City. It's one thing to talk about the temporary grave that held Jesus' body for three days until that stone was rolled away and that tomb was left empty. It's another thing to talk about caskets that will be removed from one temporary grave only to be firmly and permanently lodged into another. Really, this message of Easter this year has definitely ruined church as usual. But maybe that's not as bad a thing as it sounds. After all, the first Easter day wasn't a joyful one either. In our scripture passage for today, we walk with Mary and Mary. They had already been through some truly traumatic experiences, having just witnessed Jesus' crucifixion, followed shortly by witnessing his burial. Now they come to the tomb at dawn, empty-handed. Matthew doesn't assert that they came with oil to anoint Jesus' body or that they came to do anything at all, but only that they just came to see it. And that makes sense to me. After all, they had no hope of entering the tomb. They knew that there were guards that were going to be posted there. They had seen the boulder rolled there for themselves. And because the scripture doesn't say what they were planning on doing once they saw the tomb, we are given the impression that even Mary and Mary didn't exactly know where they were going or why they were going. It's almost like they just wanted to be in proximity 
in the proximity of Jesus. Even if they were forced to be physically distant from him by the stone walls and by death itself. But then the earth started to rumble. And the women felt the ground that they were standing on tremble as they witnessed something that they had never seen before, had never imagined that they would see. An angel of lightning rolling away the stone before sitting on it with this casual nonchalance. The guards convulsed with fear and collapsed onto the ground. He is not here, all of them are told. Come and see for yourself. So the women step into the dark and they step into the cold and they step into the sheer emptiness of the tomb to find that the only person that they had hoped to have seen isn't there. Still just the two of them. They are still alone. And that might be what sticks with me most about this Easter story on this particular Easter day. When they go to find Jesus in the places where they can reasonably expect to find him, where they needed to find him, he wasn't there. It's disconcerting. It can almost feel infuriating. It can feel like a cat and mouse game. It turns out that nothing can guarantee that Jesus will be where we want him to be, not even death. Which can sound like good news or bad news depending on the state you find yourself in. Nothing guarantees that Jesus will be where we want him to be, not even death. Of course, the story doesn't end there. Having seen for themselves the emptiness of the tomb, having listened to the words of the angel who told them to tell the disciples that Jesus would meet them in Galilee, the women turn. Scripture says, afraid but filled with joy, and they run. And while they are running to do this task, that the angel has directed them to do, suddenly it is then that Jesus meets them. Suddenly, surprisingly, they see his face. Suddenly, they get to do the thing that they had been wanting to do since Friday. They get to grab onto Jesus, to hang on to him, to not let him go and to know exactly where he is. In our scripture passage for today, this is the only moment that is described as sudden, even after an earthquake. This is the only thing that is happening faster than Mary and Mary can respond to it. And so perhaps that is the good news of Easter. Even when we can't find Jesus in the places where we usually encounter him, in church sanctuaries, or in a local park, or living into the freedoms of our day-to-day lives, 
even when we can't find Jesus, Jesus still finds us, still surprises us. Perhaps the good news this Easter is also that sometimes when we journey into the dark, cold, and lonely places, and we don't find anything there, that doesn't mean that Jesus is doing nothing. It doesn't mean that God has abandoned us. And it doesn't mean that our circumstances won't change in the very next second. Perhaps the good news of Easter this year is that even if we feel like we're just going through the motions, just doing what we are being told to do or doing the things that we have always done, like the women listening obediently to the angel and going to tell the disciples that Jesus was going to meet them. Even if we feel like we are just going through the motions, Jesus can still show up and give us meaning. Will still assure us that we are not going through these motions in vain. Friends, I think all of these messages are good news for us this year. And I am grateful that the message this Easter day is the same today as it was that first Easter day and as it has remained over 2,000 years. The God we know through the stories of Israel and through the story of Jesus is the same God who created us, who loves us, who wants to have us near God for eternity. The God who called Jesus out of the grave did that because he is the same God who insists that this life is not sufficient to contain all of God's love for us. And boy, I can tell you that is something that I think we are all painfully aware of this Easter day. That this life is not sufficient. It is not sufficient to hold all of our dreams or to contain all of the memories that we want to have that we hope to create. This life is not sufficient to guarantee us anything, our health or our security or our lasting fulfillment. This life is not sufficient to hold all that we long for. But God's love is. God's love is sufficient. God's love is a love that comforts us when we are afflicted. It is a love that afflicts us when we are comfortable. It is a love that is small enough to speak into the mundane moments of our everyday lives. And it is a love that is expansive enough to find us when we have turned our backs and stomped away. It's the love of a father who has lost his son. It is the love of a man who was rejected by his friends. It's a love so infinite and so everlasting 
that it blew right past the ending of life, shattering death in the process and paved a road into eternity. All because of God's love for us. My friends, all because of God's love for you and for me. He is risen, my friends. Indeed, he is risen.